0: Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Nick.
1: And I'm Shannon. And this week,
0: I'm going to be talking all about candle magic in our continuing segment on basics of witchcraft. So, very exciting. We're recording kind of late at night, too, so...
1: I know we've got that like spooky kind of candlelit mood going on, and I'm really excited. I do a lot of candle magic. I think it's actually probably one of the primary like spell work methods that I use pretty regularly. So I'm really excited. Nick's done a really great primer for you guys, um, but I'm going to be discussing on that like hot and flaming side of things our dear friend aloe vera because she's a cooling bitch, and then our friend Hades from the underworld and look we know the underworld isn't actually on fire but when we were thinking about like candles and flames it's really hard not to think about like Disney's display of Hades mm-hmm. as like the Hollywood producer with like the head that alights so here we are and we just did Persephone so it, it
0: seemed it seemed apropos. it seemed very apropos for this week <laughs>
1: Exactly, exactly Um,
0: But you know, it's like we don't strictly have themes anyway So y'all can just deal I feel like Hades is actually a really good thing to talk about It's like the second day of cancer season as we're recording this And it's like sad, spooky summer time
1: Right, and I have to say I'm just so relieved that Gemini season is over Much love to Gemini's out there But like the Gemini the Gemini sun placement just does not seem to agree well with my personal chart. And so Gemini season always tends to be a bit tough for me. So I'm personally relieved that it's into cancer season, getting some of that good watery energy. Mm, Yes, We're in like, mama bear zodiac central which i think we could all use right now
0: oh yes oh yes and it's like love gemini's people but yes gemini season is a lot and it is over and uh yeah sad sad spooky summer how about that
1: yeah we're all gonna be sad crabs now
0: (laughs) uh (laughs) no so but we we're i'm talking about candle magic this week you guys which i i I feel like everyone out there—it's like the first thing you're gonna come across in any online spell forum, witchcraft forum, you know. Like, well, and we have kind of touched upon this before. How like all of the web pages about witchcraft are stuck in the 1990s, which is uh, hilarious. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but, but it's so true. Uh, so it's it's really bread and butter stuff. It's like what most people are. Gonna reach for first, uh, really with the with the spells that that are that are easy easiest to find. Uh,
1: yeah, and I think it's also where you'll find the most like pre packaged spells. I guess you could say like you can go to a bunch of like you know metaphysical shops and buy like candles for joy, candles for attracting magic, and they'll have things like crystals in the bottom of them. So I feel like they're so like. It's, There's it's, such an easy gateway.
0: It's yeah, it's like a gateway drug to witchcraft. Well, because you know, and I kind of talk about this here at the beginning, uh, where it's like in the modern era we have the miracle of electric lighting. Uh, even though you know the the maids on Downton Abbey were scared of it, uh, <laughs> it's it's here to stay. Uh, so candles have kind of become like the symbol of our kind of people you know when it's like someone like a character in a sitcom is obviously a witch they fill their apartment with wicker furniture and candles and uh yeah it's a it's kind of a cliche like the the spinster aunt, so to speak listening to Enya having a cat burning a lot of candles uh beca- it,
1: and it's us
0: it's us and it's like we have, we all know <laughs> what the candles are for uh, right because but you can't say it on tv it's not not for polite society so right
1: we all see your aunt sissy's overhead light <laughs> we know that she's not using the candles because she hasn't got electricity
0: right uh <laughs> so but it's kind of a way to say someone's a witch without saying it and uh but before i dive into the finer details of candle magic i i I was reading about candles all week. So I thought I would share a little bit about candle history with you guys. Uh, So, you know, buckle up. I know a lot of people listen to this on there their commute so yeah we're talking about we're talking about the history of candles today Uh, that's right
1: get into your magic school bus uh miss frizzle aka nicholas is taking us back in time through the invention of candles (laughs) all right
0: so the ancient egyptians almost certainly invented what we would think of as a candle but i i think that is oversimplifying it a bit uh so you know Different kinds of candles developed in different cultures all around the world separately and seemingly without influence from each other, you know. Uh, so the Egyptians do have everyone else beat by like 2,500 years, though, uh, just on the on the, the timeline. Uh, so it was the most original idea when they thought it up. By themselves. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I feel like that's kind of the Egyptians in general. As far as like recorded history mm-hmm. goes, it's like you're going to be hard pressed to find things that the Egyptians didn't do first. They're like the they're like the Simpsons right, of humanity. Uh, right.
0: It's, it's <laughs> like, uh, yeah, the Egyptians did it first, but then everyone forgot about what the Egyptians knew. I mean, I personally blame the burning of the library at Alexandria. That's a whole different episode, though. Uh, Right. (laughs) But but of course, yeah, they were really very simple candles, like more like rush lights. Uh, So a rush light is where you take a little strip of dried reeds, lots of reeds in ancient Egypt. You know, they're working with what they got. And they had a lot of reeds. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so you dip it in fat, probably animal fat, maybe beeswax, but beeswax is really hard to get. So probably like rendered animal fat, you guys. Sorry about it. Uh, and that's a rush light. You know, you, you really dip it like once, once or twice. It's not like a thick layer. It's like all wick. So you got to get your little piece of, of reed. It's dipped. And then you put it in like a little clip and the, uh, the like English, you know, like pre-Victorian, uh, they were still using rush lights before they had like mass produced candles in like England. Uh, yeah. So, but they
1: stuck around. So yeah, you know, like they,
0: they had a little thing that looked like tweezers, but you know, the Egyptians just had it on a stick. So it's like a burning stick on another stick. And that's what you use. That's what
1: you use to light your room up. Uh, I just, I just love the idea of like it's a burning stick on another stick.
0: A lot of sticks in ancient Egypt. There's a lot of <laughs> sticks. There's a lot of sticks around in ancient Egypt. So, uh, but so the in the Greek legend of Prometheus, who brought us all fire. Thanks, man. Thanks. It was a really cool gift. Fire is given <laughs> in the form of a rushlight. So, you know, it's like, uh, it's like he brought it to us and then we used it to make bonfires because I, that's, uh, that's what we did. And so the ancient Greeks also used to light candles for Artemis on the sixth day of every lunar month. But even all of that time later, they, they still were not using what we would think of as like a candle. You know, they're kind of a rough approximation with a paper wick.
1: Yeah, but also can we bring this back? Because I'm super down to start lighting candles for Artemis on the sixth day of every lunar cycle.
0: I actually I really liked it because I'm like Artemis, yeah. Artemis is a fave here at once and fronds.
1: Clearly. Uh,
0: we should have like little Artemis Day.
1: Oh my god, we should. Nick, you should host Artemis Day on Instagram. Oh
0: my god, Artemis Day on Instagram. Uh well, the full moon is coming up in like two days.
1: She is.
0: And so uh, you know, and then it's like what two weeks till the the new moon?
1: Oh shit, girl, we're gonna have to like we're gonna have to get out have our, our, to fi- our moon calendars. We're gonna have to get out our
0: moon calendars and like figure it out. <laughs> uh,
1: but I'm so down.
0: Okay, but it was the Romans who finally brought the proper candle. Like what you would look at it, you'd be like, "That's a candle, man. That is that is a candle with like a wick." You know, most of them still had the paper wick, but they had kind of figured out that like a little piece, you know, just a little piece in the middle, uh, in the middle, you know, not the whole thing, uh, tallow candles, mind you, these are still animal fat candles, which, uh, I've, I've never smelled tallow candle, but uh, everyone at the time says that they were stinky, not great uh yeah ew (laughs) and smoky
1: I mean all I can think of is like so growing up in the south right everyone has that like yeah the Folgers can of bacon grease which actually
0: fun fact I have heard I have heard this now I'm not 100% sure if it is true but I have heard that if you stick an incense stick down into that can of bacon grease that you might have in your house that is like an emergency candle
1: Huh Well I mean Nick has been to my house pretty recently And we always have I mean we use Pyrex now So we can like dump it and wash it out But I always have bacon grease on my stove Because you... I am still But I also
0: I thought the same thing I was like so it's, uh, it smells like bacon grease And it's uh, smoking up your, your house Which you know if you live in a castle No big deal But if you're living in like a hut kinda... Or
1: an apartment Or an
0: apartment <laughs> You. Oh, well, I mean, you know, we're talking about people in like the 1600s, the 1700s. Oh,
1: yeah, no, but now I'm talking about me with my fucking vat of bacon grease okay, on yeah. my stove. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, for anyone that maybe hasn't experienced this, which I, based on the listeners we've talked to, most of you, I think, probably know what we're talking about, but like, old bacon grease doesn't like smell good, smell like bacon really no. at a certain point.
0: <laughs> it's just kind of stale. It's, it's it, fatty. It's greasy. It is a greasy smell. Uh but yeah, really smoky too, the tallow candles. Ugh. So, you know, kind of kind of like, is it worth it?
1: <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe we'll just Maybe the dark is fine. <laughs> maybe
0: the dark is fine. Uh <laughs> but but no, the Romans made like candle candles out of tallow. Little tiny wick in the middle, you know, like wow, that's a candle. They also did the same mm-hmm. thing around that time in China and India but the indian candles so you know china was fucking around with beeswax they did make animal fat candles as well uh, but india actually you know cuz that's where all like all of the spices come from like india sri lanka you know like that area of the world um they the cinnamon so they would boil the cinnamon bark and then they would have like like oil that would accumulate on top and that's what they made their
1: candles out of Which, is, oh my god delicious which seems
0: way nicer than grease like meat yeah. like meat to grease
1: uh Ugh. i mean give me that cinnamon tree wax every time right over fucking beef tallow <laughs> no thank you <laughs> right
0: like that just okay that's that's gross uh but so it, i kind of wanted to bring that up like coming full circle like my whole point of talking about the history of candles is i feel like there's this thing you know like you look at like the harry potter movies where people think that at some point in the past people were just like candles everywhere you know like downton abbey chandeliers candelabras like really it was just you know rush lights and torches and like your fireplace and maybe you would have uh, some candles as like a a luxury right but you would be snubbing that thing out as soon as you were done reading or whatever you needed it for uh, so yeah it's uh it's there there is i mean it's sort of like a very romantic idea but it it just didn't happen uh
1: yeah yeah i think that's important to point out because it is i feel like that's definitely what we all see in tv
0: yeah it, but and that's because we, you know, it's like, we see it as like a cheap thing, but it was like, I mean, think about how much meat you would have to roast to have enough grease for like the candle guy. Cause the candle guy would go around and you would collect your grease and then the candle guy would make candles out of it for you. Um, and it's like, you know, it's like, you're just a regular person. You don't, you're, you're going to get a few candles out of that tops. So, uh. Anywho, I, I just, you know, not to burst anyone's bubble, but uh, people used oil lamps and then they used light bulbs. There, there was never really like a, a huge heyday of candles, but I am going to talk about that uh, here in just a second. Uh, because it, but it's, yeah, it boiled down to the materials. Like beeswax, hard to get. The bees, you know, and the bees kind of need it to have their hives. So uh, you, you have to time it out really well too um but so we were talking about though how smoky and unpleasant just like animal fat candles were uh and i I did find this interesting thing about the candle fish now shannon had you heard of these before this week
1: i had not and then i just like threw up in my mouth when i read it (laughs) yeah so uh
0: and but you know it's kind of interesting to me because it's from here in America. So this is a, a species of smelt that is native between like North, northern California, Oregon, Washington, Alaska, like that area. Um, and they they get really fatty when they're doing their little uh, mating run up the rivers. You know, they kind of like the salmon. A lot smaller though. A lot smaller. But they, they store fat very efficiently apparently so that when you dry them You can just light the end of one, and it will burn like a candle. And, you know, uh, that just seems like it would smell terrible. But I know. But also, so they would boil them and then use them as, like, lamp oil. Like, skim the oil off and use it as lamp oil. But then someone, I guess, figured out, well, you could just light the fish on fire. And it worked. Yeah,
1: cut out the middleman. Cut
0: out the middleman. Which I'm still like, oh, gosh, you know, that, uh... Very like I think it's a very creative way to use an abundant natural resource, but I'm like I'm I'm very glad for everyone. Uh, out there that we we don't have to do stuff like
1: that anymore (laughs) yeah there's there's something about it being like fish fat that is just like particularly repulsive i think part of it is because like fish scent lingers Mm -hmm. in a way that other scents don't like god forbid you ever fucking cook fish in your house like i made salmon the other night and i was like cool our house is gonna smell like a fucking fish market for the next week like oh the idea of a whole fucking fish candle like (laughs) it would, it would just smell like that forever. Yeah.
0: It, <laughs> and, and yeah, it, it, I just think of like, if you ever accidentally pop like a fish oil tablet in your mouth.
1: Oh God. Yeah.
0: Or like a uh, fish sauce. Now uh, I do love a Thai curry and I, yeah. I, I think it, you know, it needs the fish sauce. I'm not saying it doesn't, but like the, right out the bottle though pungent Ugh. stuff
1: uh, it is pungent uh but i mean the the worst thing is like when you pop the fish oil, like because i've definitely taken fish oil supplements before and the worst part is like the fish burps that they give you Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, it, it's like
0: okay fish oil way to be like healthy for you but uh at the and s- also
1: make me repulsive to every other human <laughs> within like a five mile fucking radius because there's no way other people can't smell it
0: yeah it's foul I mean I anyway. but, you know I I I will say you you probably uh, especially after wearing a mask for a, like a year and a half I'm like I'm so over my own breath but okay circling back around to candles we're talking about candles right. you guys <laughs> uh, I but yeah I did want to say uh they kind of didn't really have like wide spread access to candles until like the mid 19th century so they figured out kind of in like the 1820s, 1830s, how to uh, render like stearic acid out of animal fat, which makes it like more stable uh, and easier to work with because, again, bacon grease candle. Um, and then, yeah, mass production. And then paraffin. Paraffin is a big deal because it's like a byproduct of coal mining and refining, which is like just like a clear whitish odorless wax and there was a lot of it uh cuz it's an industrial byproduct um, much like petroleum jelly by the way it's a it's an industrial byproduct that they were like well we can just sell it uh, uh yeah,
1: they're like well we got all of this <laughs> we got all these so... barrels
0: of this shit let's sell it
1: <laughs> Got barrels of some goop. What if we tried lighting it on fire? (laughs) Right. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Humans. Humans. Uh,
0: Then, oh, here's some candles for you. So, but really, but then, you know, so we got, like, the 1850s, the, the, you know, the mid-19th century. And then we've got the turn of the 20th century. They've invented light bulbs. Electricity's going everywhere. You know, railways, gas lights. uh, They're really, I mean, like, the window for that is just so small. But- isn't it fun that that is when, like, the first wave of, like, paganism happened? Uh, it's almost like... It's almost like that's why we are so obsessed with candles. Because you really have to think, like, those, like, Victorian and Edwardian, like, you know, pa- having a seance in the parlor with lots of candles and everyone's wearing scarves and shawls and rickety wooden furniture was, like, when people were like hmm you know like i'm interested in religions that aren't christianity like what are the traditional religions of the, this land that we live in uh let's look into it and the, uh, like all those people i mean like you know, again like around the turn of the 20th century were like you know uh probably like living in the exact right time to just be fucking obsessed with candles so uh yeah
1: right it's like it it almost makes you wonder which came first mm. it's like did candles bring about the neo-pagan renaissance
0: maybe because i mean you I know mean,
1: probably not but it's fun to speculate
0: well also you have time to stay up late which is a very spooky time you get oh, to have seances yeah. you know and you got time to like Learn, you know, it's like you got time to learn about different ideas and and, you
1: know Yeah, you can you can read after 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 your job. So I mean, and honestly, everyone that's a pagan or a neo pagan is at least on some level into spooky shit. I'm like, you can be the most pastel witch and you still like part of you is into the spookiness of life. Like I I've just never met anyone into witchcraft that doesn't like it a little.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> but, you know, I just kind of wanted to talk about that because it's kind of like, why are we so into candles? But we we are very keen on them. I think we both are. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you made a pretty good argument for candle magic at the beginning of the episode. So uh, no mistake, candles are an important part of our craft here at Wands and Fronds. So moving on to the actual witchcraft of it all. Uh So candles obviously represent the powers of fire and the sun, like very literal sense. So, you know, like when you're doing a circle, like casting a circle and you have sort of all of your elements, like, yeah, the candles are the fire, obviously. Uh, And, but, you know, kind of apart from that, very obvious uh a lot of magic involves candles like colors and i think you know i'm kind of digging in on that aspect of it a little bit today because i feel like when we're talking about like the basics of candle magic a lot of what you're gonna see is like what do the different colors of candles mean it's sort of like yeah uh, with with crystals you know it's like a lot of the associations with these things comes comes in with color so we wanted to do, like, a quick breakdown of, you know, just kind of the main colors. I, I You know, I'm not going into, like, a chartreuse, but uh, you can look into that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's your homework assignment, is to go into all the, like, non-primary, like, way out there. This is very Roy G. Biv.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roy G. Biv. Uh, so, like, starting with the most common color and the easiest kind of candle to get is plain white. Plain white candles. Uh, so those represent purity and truth. You know, we always talk about like white and purification. The same goes for the candles. Uh, but you know, one thing about white candles is that they can be your sub for any other color of candle in a spell. Because we're very, we're, we we are the barefoot Contessa. It's like you you know you don't have a chartreuse candle. A you know, white one's fine.
1: Uh. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I always have extra white candles around. And actually, the only taper candles that I have, like in my altar of things are white taper candles, because I'm not about to go buy taper candles of a billion different colors. Right.
0: And it's, you know, and then they and then you do get them. And then you put them in your drawer with your stuff that you haven't used yet. And then they get crushed. Because you haven't, you haven't needed a bright red candle forever. And then you do need one and it's broken in half. Uh, this is not a specific story. I'm just coming, you know. Uh,
1: yeah, it's just oddly specific, <laughs> but not specific at all. Not yeah, This
0: did not happen <laughs> to me. Uh, and speaking of though, that candle, <laughs> trouble. Uh, but so, <laughs> but we're kind of going to talk about like, subbing a white candle a little bit more in depth later on but you can you know again the barefoot Contessa says if you can't find a chartreuse candle a white candle is fine uh (laughs) so but so pink uh friendship romantic love self-love we kind of gone over like the the whole color pink basically with our like self-love episode uh so there's there's lots there you know like you think like rose quartz himalayan pink salt like pink pink energy very much venus energy oh yeah. with the with the pink with the pink candles uh and speaking of venus uh red i think is like a like a very martian energy because it's all about like courage passion and like sex and lust you know it's not like pink is about love red is about like fucking
1: yeah, red is a horny color.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like red is about like fucking and fighting. Like pink is yeah. pink is like, oh, let me, let me let me spread some rose petals on the bed and it's romantic. And it's like red is like I want to fuck.
1: <laughs> Rihanna is the color red. Yes.
0: Uh and <laughs> and so that moves us on to orange, which is for like attraction and encouragement. And we kinda t- we talked about in our uh you know magical happiness episode, like positivity. And it's multicultural that like orange and yellow are are very positive and like happy colors. Like thus my leaf face emoji is yellow. Uh but yellow is also for like persuasion and protection. So it's like, you know, kind of like a little variation between the orange and the yellow and green. So green is all about like abundance, fertility. I mean, think springtime, think like everything is green. Everything's great. Obviously money is green, but I, I think it's like, I think green is like the abundance color because of like plants it's it's very self-centered of us as americans to always think that like money 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 yeah. is green <laughs> and it's like most money is like different colors so yeah
1: I do. My favorite fun fact about green is still that like the human eye can differentiate more shades of green than any other color. And they think part of it is like evolutionary because, you know, to be able to pick out berries in like big bushes, we would have been able to need to like differentiate colors pretty closely with green um, and because we're herbivores. But I I mean, that's one of, I think the the good arguments for surrounding yourself with plants because like We have literally evolved to be able to differentiate between different shades of green better than any other colors.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, like not to get too rabbit holy here, but um, one time when I was on DMT, I swear that like, uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, I can see every shade of green
1: because you can because you
0: can and i but it was like it was blowing my it was literally blowing my mind how many different shades of green i could see because it's like you don't you don't really pay attention to it but then you're like wait what (laughs) uh yeah
1: so start thinking about that y'all like when you go out in nature think about how many different shades of green you can see and then think about different shades of any other color
0: right it's like red nah uh no man
1: But okay. You run out real fast. Anyway.
0: (laughs) So, uh, but so moving on to blue. So blue is all about like deep emotions. Think like that sort of oceanic context of like very, very deep emotions. I almost think like Cancer, Scorpio, you know, it's like that kind of energy.
1: It's funny you mentioned this because my immediate thought was Pisces. Oh, (laughs) Oh, well, of
0: course, because you're a Pisces moon, but
1: right Uh, but yeah no it is that very like emotional waters yes
0: and it's like vulnerability yeah and occasionally sadness and mourning which is why i kind of think like like cancer is more you know like cancer and scorpio are kind of like the sad girls of the water signs i feel like pisces is just a little too happy-go-lucky i mean it's like it's weird to say that like i don't i see pisces as a very happy sign Uh, i
1: feel like pisces is very like space cadet and I I like
0: that. Yeah, maybe maybe energy, that's like my yeah. energy. So maybe I just vibe well with Pisces. So they're happy. Ar- I think so. They're happy around me. Uh, but true that. <laughs> so moving on from blue to purple. Purple is like ambition and power. So like considering purple was like the color of royalty for a very long time because it was so hard to get. Uh, certainly very fitting. Uh, and then so brown is for like uh, the living earth, like plants and animals, you know, think about, think about that.
1: <laughs>
0: no, but really. I'm like,
1: think about that with your brown candles.
0: Think about that with your brown candles. I have never, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure I, I have, but like, I can't remember ever seeing a brown candle.
1: No, or seeing, I feel like.
0: Or seeing one called for in a spell. But, you know, we do our research
1: here. And hypothetically, it could exist. I just feel like it would just look like poop. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, there's just no way around it. Um, anyway, so then,
0: uh, we're, we're moving on to black. So black representing negativity and banishment, which I do. I do like those uh, banishing candles that you get Uh in, like, the votive candle section at the supermarket. Yeah.
1: I also love, um, so since I do a lot of work with Hecate, uh, you can also use, like, black candles as, like, an honor, as a way to, like, honor the underworld as well. Ooh. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And uh, so I, the last ones here are, like, silver and gray. I think silver and gray were kind of interchangeable to me. Um, Yeah. And so silver and gray representing the goddess energy the moon intuition and psychic energy all things very much wrapped up in cancer season so like the silver and gray candles are for you guys
1: oh yeah and i love a good silver candle they're so pretty and i'm always worried that whatever's in them is going to give me cancer but they look so good
0: right well it's like the edible glitter too like the silver and gold glitter it's like surely nothing metallic is good for you There's no metallic foods. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's like something in my lizard brain is like, that's not good for you. But it's so pretty. It's so
0: pretty. I do want to try. Because I'm also a magpie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But so yeah, those are just like general color associations. Uh, And you know, it's like when you look at different spells, it's going to make sense. They're going to be like, oh, they're going to, they're probably going to tell you why they picked the color. Because spells are a lot like recipes. It's not like cut and, you know, it's like, they're like, I, I chose this because of this. And it's like every, you know, a lot, everything is going to be explained to you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, no worries if you did not take notes. Uh, whoever is, you know, whoever writes spellbugs usually will tell you why they have chosen a particular color of candle. So, but I would also say a lot of you guys homebrew. I, I homebrew most of my stuff. So do what feels right. You know, like, don't just take a bunch of associations from me or heaven forbid, the internet. Like, think about it. Think about, you know, if it involves other people, like, what are their personalities? Like, what are their zodiac signs? What kind of, you know, if it's like something physical, like, think about your, your chakras. Like, all the chakras have different color associations.
1: Yeah, like, I think you should just Marie Kondo it, you know, like, does it bring you joy too? like, depending on the spell work? It's like, if you're trying to attract something for yourself? Sure, green is like abundance and fertility. But like, if green's not your jam, then pick something you really love that you're passionate about. Like, you know, magic, magic has sort of like, guidelines, but no hard and fast rules.
0: Right. And that's, and we love that. Uh, yes. <laughs> but so, so now we've talked about colors. Like, how are we using candles, though? So the, the, these are just a few simple ways that you could incorporate candle magic, like, right now into your craft, right? So one of the easiest ways to use candles in a ritual that is not just burning a candle uh, is focusing on an intention while you watch a candle burn down. So you guys could focus on your intent and use watching the candle as kind of like a combo meditation manifestation. And that's... How easy was that, you guys? Like, you, you don't even need to write that one down. Like, you'll, rem- you'll remember that one. Uh, so...
1: You can accidentally do that type of spell work. Uh, I've done that <laughs> even, before.
0: Right. Uh, <laughs> I do that all the time. But... So another relatively simple way to do magic with a candle is making a dressed candle. So it's finally time for us to talk about dressing a candle, you guys.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't involve little clothes. Although it
0: spoiler alert. It should.
1: <laughs> but it really should. Someone should make a dressed candle meme um that's good at the internet.
0: Right. Uh so yeah, all of our programmer <laughs> witches out there get on that. And um so I was thinking for talking about a dressed candle I would come up with a dressed candle. Uh, So for this one, I'm doing a bit of a throwback to our magical happiness episode. Since I have already sort of invoked it once already, this episode, you're thinking about it. It's on your mind. Uh, So we're going to make a simple dress candle kind of based on that episode. Right. Uh, So for that episode, we talked about how yellow and orange are ultimately colors of, positive energy right we did say that you can go back and listen to it and uh but also the symbolic significance of like citrus and sunflowers in the actual feeling of joy and happiness like you know like like always looking at the sun and just like really citrus scents how, how can you not be a little bit happier after smelling something lemony um just like literally, it's like that instant hit. Uh, so to start with, a lot of witches will recommend using grapeseed oil as like your base oil. I've also seen almond oil. But also, I see grapeseed oil at the grocery store all the time. All the time. So I feel like it's accessible. It's a cooking ingredient. So you know where to buy it at the, oh, yeah. at the grocery store.
1: And if you're in, um, if you're like a West Coast witch, I feel like I see avocado oil more than grapeseed oil now. And I think that for the exact same reasons is a good oil too. You
0: know, I actually, that's what we have here at the house for like our kitchen oil because, because but, I, but I was kind of like, do people actually use avocado oil or is that like bougie?
1: I use it. Cause it's kind of, but it's, it's, it's cheaper out here. I think
0: I was going to say it's kind of eggsy here but that's yeah. that's neither here nor there uh, anyway <laughs> and actually my roommate bought that bottle uh and you know uh, don't use it that much but uh, it's it's out there but i do i do like the uh, the almond oil idea but it's like i you know it's like where where do you buy i mean Obviously, the internet's a thing. Like, listen to me. Like, I'm 90 years old, but it's like, <laughs> You're like,
1: where does one find almond oil? No, I use it. Um, I always have almond oil because I use it as a body oil. So I think anyone that buys it for body oil, like, I mean, I know fuck Amazon, but honestly, Whole Foods has big, cheap bottles of almond oil that's in the 365 brand, and that's just usually what I have it for.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. Well, Shannon yeah. coming in clutch with where do you even get almond oil? You do. You guys do have to remember that, even though I am a gay I am a boy and um, you know I, moving along uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so high sm- high smoke point is the thing though all of the oils yeah. we've been talking about have a very high smoke point and we were talking about bacon fat candles and how smoky they are and how it's very unpleasant uh, so you don't want to use your olive oil for this uh, at all um, so we we might use a base of that and add uh, a few drops of like an orange or a lemongrass essential oil mm. because you don't you you're not you don't want to oh my god if you drenched a candle or if you were dressing a i say drench if you're dressing a candle if you if the whole thing was like lemongrass oil like your house is going to stink of lemongrass
1: Yeah, but also, like, that's a fire hazard to just use the essential oils. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, and you're going to have a bad time. But it's also, I mean, I'm just saying it's a waste of essential oil because you're you're going to smell it. You're going to smell it. Uh, I also thought bergamot oil would be good for this.
1: Ooh, I do have a really good um, oil blend that I use sometimes that's got bergamot oil. And I think it's grapefruit and bergamot. Like I I think that would work
0: here. I I feel like any citrusy scent would work here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do love bergamot as a citrusy scent personally. It makes me happy. The whole point of this is happiness. So, uh, dressing a candle can be as simple as just oiling it according to the internet, but I don't like that. You're just going to grease up a candle. You're a witch. You, You have herbs in your house. Get your shit together. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's more. Uh, so get your herbs out. So for this, I think sunflower petals, obviously, right? Chamomile, everyone's got some chamomile and it's yellow. How nice is that?
1: Yeah. And if you don't have sunflower petals, you probably have calendula mm-hmm. if you're real into herbs. So, you know, make it, look what you got. L-
0: make it happen.
1: You know, look at, look at your herbs.
0: You're like, what's yellow?
1: What is yellow? You know. I wouldn't do it with saffron because that feels wasteful that unless seems you're, like, very hella wasteful. loaded. I'm
0: also, like, turmeric, same thing. Basically, turmeric's getting expensive, too, y'all.
1: Oh my god, but also I eat it every day.
0: Uh,
1: god, I love turmeric. But yeah, I, okay. I just feel
0: like it'd be the wrong <laughs> texture, though. So I'm thinking, like, sunflower yeah. petals, calendula petals, chamomile, has a nice kind of a you know when it's dry, it's kind of a straw color, but we'll call that. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. No, I I I'm picking up what you're putting down. I think those are all great suggestions. Uh,
0: so you can either like crum, I mean, if you've got dry, you can like crumble it up with your fingers. That's really you know that's going to be like the most basic way. This is witching basics. So uh, grind them in a mortar and pestle. I know not everyone has a mortar and pestle, although I'm always on the lookout for a good one. Uh, oh my
1: god, I have one that I love. And I do have to recommend getting one if you can. I think mine is from like, mine was a wedding gift. And I'm pretty sure it's from Bed Bath & Beyond. But honestly, they're, they're not super expensive. But oh my god, nothing else makes you feel more like you're making a fucking potion than grinding stuff in a mortar and pestle.
0: Which... Yeah, very true. But I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I would get a mortar and pestle, and then I'd end up using it for cooking, and then I'd be like, can I, well, you you know what I'm saying. But also, yeah. <laughs> for all the, the pothead witches out there, a uh, cheap, grind, like a cheap, oh gosh, you know, like a uh, a convenience store, or like a really shitty head shop grinder.
1: Oh yeah, or if you're like somewhere where it's legal, I literally picked up like a $5 grinder when I bought like- an eighth the other day oh
0: yeah yeah yeah. no i mean even where it's not legal like you can get a cheap grinder at the head shop uh and yeah it's like maybe you wouldn't use it for weed because it would get probably clogged up pretty quickly weed is very sticky but dry herbs most of them are not how nice is that how nice is that you could use your little cheap or maybe you already have one was kind of the point i was making too because it's like we've all done it we've all bought like a cheap weed grinder and you're like well you know, maybe I'll keep it just in case.
1: Yeah, you're like, just in case my other four grinders <laughs> break, I'll have this shit plastic one. Well, get that
0: one out and grind some herbs in it, because we're dressing candles. And this is a great use for that. Uh, so, But finally, as I admit, I, although I will say, unless it's something nice like mint or rose, don't use your regular grinder to grind herbs it'll make your weed it'll make your weed taste weird for like a week just take my word for that one um
1: yeah yeah
0: so finally as i mentioned in a previous episode the next step in dressing a candle so so let's just kind of look at what we've got here we've got our oil which is like a base oil it's a few drops of a nice citrusy essential oil we've got our sunflower petals our chamomile our calendula whatever whatever you like that's yellow and uh from your herb cupboard uh and we, uh, we're kind of doing it like fried chicken. So anyone who's ever made fried chicken or, you know, fried shrimp or, or you know, fried tofu, popcorn tofu is delicious. Yum, yum, yum. Um, <laughs> but so you dip it in, you dip it into the wet part, which is the oil. And you would just kind of uh, cover it in your herbs or you, you could roll it around. If you have like a little dish, you could roll it, but the, you need a lot of herbs to cover a little dish and do it actually like fried chicken uh, but yeah but it's just right. good kind of sprinkle it on top flip it over sprinkle it on the other side you know you might want to let it chill for a second before you put it upright. uh make sure it doesn't just slide off just for a second or two you know
1: yeah just to let it you hey. know i i like to take a little piece of parchment paper mm. on my altar and kind of roll it in there
0: oh yeah 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 <clears throat>
1: kind of like if you don't have a dish it's kind of like a cheap just pulling what i got out of the cupboard way that yeah, i normally yeah, yeah. do it
0: no that's perfect I Have a little paper do it like a like a joint roller uh is what mm-hmm. is what i'm imagining you put the candle you got your urban there you roll it up boom 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 uh yeah but i you know a little fried chicken analogy uh that's because that's what i think when i when i'm like oh it's like you Get, you, dip, you dip it in, you roll it around, it's right.
1: You got your dry hand, you got your wet hand. Yeah. It's very on brand.
0: Uh, so yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, like, all the while, all the while, the whole time you're doing this, you should be thinking about, like, what kind of spell you're doing with your dress candle, what the intention of the candle in the spell is, like, this is your time to, like, put your your energy into it. Uh, so you know it's like maybe don't do it while you're like watching Downton Abbey and doing other things. It's like this is this is like part of the the whole thing. Uh it, yeah. is like making making the dress candles. So uh you know just a little just a little hot tip for you guys. You should be focused during this. Uh and just that would be a simple spell on its own. You know, dressing a candle to attract positivity into your life. That's a simple spell. But Uh, You could use that in a different spell. You could use that in place of a yellow candle. I'm not here to tell you what to do. Uh, So, (laughs) you know what I mean. Y'all know what I mean. So, uh, I do also like using the dressing method to jazz it up a little. If if you are substituting the plain white candle, though. You know, I I think we all have a lot of herbs. That's like, I mean, if you're listening to Wands and Fronds, I'm sure you have some herbs. Maybe you're doing a spell. Maybe you don't have the right color. Where the fuck do you buy a chartreuse candle? Or a brown candle, for that matter? So if you're dressing it up, (laughs) you know, you can think about, like, an herb that maybe doesn't match the color, but matches the intention of the spell. And we are always giving you guys, like, magical connotations for different herbs and plants. So you cannot say that you don't know like what the magical associations of peppermint are literally it's already in an episode. So you're just going to have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, so think of, think about like an herb that like fits the spell. If you're, if it's asking for a specific color, like you can do the, put your own twist on it, you know, do the intention by dressing a candle with like a certain kind of oil or like a certain herb that goes with the intention of the spell. So if it's like, you know, like a like a self-love spell or, like, you know, we, we talked about, like, healing the mother wound and, like, all of these things. It's, like, you could literally use, like, pink rose petals to dress a candle.
1: Yeah. And it would wear I mean,
0: very nicely in, like, a self-love spell.
1: Yeah. I was also thinking, like, If you have maybe some pink peppercorns, you wouldn't want to put a lot, but just like really finely ground mixed in with something else could be a nice little pink pop. Yeah. you know, I think this is a time when like going and just looking at your spice rack is helpful because I I think one of my pet peeves is when people are like, you need to go out and buy this laundry list of items. Mm -hmm. It's like that is definitely not how Nick and I operate. It's like, you know, go stand in front of your cupboard. Right. And figure out what you have that fits what you're trying to do.
0: And if all else fails, and you cannot find a Chartreuse candle, you can burn a white candle while you drink Chartreuse. That is actually, I have heard, an acceptable substitute
1: as yeah. well. And if your deities have a problem, you send them to you us. send them to us.
0: We'll t- we'll 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 sort them out. Uh, but no, but I, I, but I, kind of back on a, a more serious note, I do like that. You know, if you are subbing in the white candle, you could put you could go for that extra credit. You could go for the extra credit, and and this is a good way to kind of. Kind of do that. Uh, you could also, I have seen and done this plenty of times, you could put a little piece, if you have the right color paper, put a little, put a little piece of colored paper under it.
1: Yeah. That's pretty
0: easy, isn't it, you guys? Uh, uh, <laughs> so, you know. But so as Shannon mentioned recently, when answering some fan mail, uh, another good thing to do, very simple, with candles is carve things into the wax, and I forget yeah. who that was, but that was one of those where it was like you were talking to someone, and I was like, "This is not a conversation for for me." Or maybe maybe <laughs> I said something, but then I was like, "I'm just gonna hop out of here. This one's busy. This ch- this chat room is busy." And I'm <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I was because I was mentioning to one of our witch friends on Instagram. Um, I use so a lot of those like cheap big ass like manicure kits you get have these like little nail dotting tools. And I actually have two of those that I use specifically for carving my candles. But our witch friend who I'm not going to mention because I don't know that she would want this but I guess it's a public comment anyway our witch friend was like oh yeah but I have dental tools that I use for it and it just like made me cackle and then also get a little spooked out in the best way (laughs) well
0: no I I, uh knowing who you're talking about I'm like that it's funny because they're like in the country and they do like lots of found art found object art and so it's like the dental tools makes perfect sense in the context but it's like you know kind of like if no if, if you don't know who this is like if you don't have any context on this life person's life it's like dental tools what but yeah yeah it's just
1: like this to some people it might just be a random witch person commenting that they just have a bunch of random dental tools that they use to carve candles and i just i was so delighted and tickled by it um anyway
0: (laughs) and but you know i I mean it's like i like that idea i but i also like the idea of like whittling a candle into a shape for some reason not that i've done it but I have seen some that are really nice. And I think that that would be a a kind of a nice way to like, if you're doing a spell that, that needs like certain symbols, because you know, it's like, I like to do a lot of work with symbols. So like, if you're, you know, it's, uh, you, could maybe carve, you could maybe carve it into a candle. I mean, I'm not telling you what to do. I think it's just a cool idea. But you were talking about yeah. you use nail tools. But I was like, you know, it's candle wax. You could use a paper clip if you just want to put like a rune or a very simple sigil onto a candle for something else that you're doing. I, oh, yeah. Also, you could just, I mean, you could also use plain English words. Because I, yeah. I feel like we get caught up sort of in the idea of like, you know, trying to write in Old English or, heaven forbid, Latin, are like runes and sigils. But it's like if you have a specific intention that you're trying to set with a spell, there is no problem with using plain English. Yeah. That is fine.
1: Or plain whatever language uh, you plain speak. Plain whatever
0: language you speak. Of course, this podcast is in English. So there is sort of an assumption that at least most of you understand uh spoken English, uh but maybe, yeah, whatever you're writing in, whatever you're writing in, you don't have to you don't have to to go crazy with it. you could write your stuff for your spell, your incantations, what have you, plain English, it's totally okay, uh, yeah, but as the fire baby I am i and I am like the double fire baby too uh, this does not apply to me necessarily. But lots of the Sabbaths involve bonfire nights, and uh, there's a lot of magic out there that involves like your fireplace as like a symbolic representation of the hearth, hearth magic, you know, candles, so perfect substitute. Because I mean, if you don't even have if you don't have a fireplace, if you don't have a place to have a bonfire, now I I go I go somewhere to have bonfires for like the full moon and stuff, and uh. Because I'm like, I need that, you know, it's like, but you can have a little wee baby fire. And especially if you're celebrating a Sabbath alone, like even if you have the yard, you know, you don't need, maybe it, maybe it's kind of nice to have a bonfire just for yourself. But if you're like, yeah, that seems like a waste, you know, you could do a little version inside with candles. You're going can to have a good time, yeah. uh, you know, and if you put your head on the table and, and you, and you look, you know, just kind of off in the distance to one side, you could really pretend it's a bonfire. So, uh, no, I feel, I'm feeling very silly in this episode, but I, I
1: I know same, uh,
0: but another very entry level use for candles. And I think everyone who's already got like gone through their baby, witch phase can agree. It's like the classic cord cutting, you know, or they want you to like write the person or the thing's name and then light it on the edge of the candle and like hold it as long as you can and then let it finish burning in like a bowl.
1: Yeah. Um, or a picture of someone, which is absolutely a cord cutting I've done. And let me tell you, probably one of the first like very powerful effects I felt from a spell was a cord cutting spell I did.
0: I'm not gonna say who, but the cord cutting I did for you know who was definitely a photograph as well. So we're we're on the same page there. But, um, yeah. but yeah, it's like, you know, you're like, how do I do a cord cutting? So you look it up. And you're like, oh, well, I need to burn things on a candle.
1: Yeah, it's a good reason too. Why, if you're if you're new, or even if you just have like a desire to redo your altar, I think it's always good to have a fire safe bowl of some mm, sort mm-hmm. as a part of your like altar layout. Well, I mean, don't
0: don't jump the gun, you know, too soon, Shannon. That is a huge part of our QWP. Uh, D- fair, fair. So
1: I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so I retract my statement. Yeah,
0: retract statement. Now. Retracted. Uh, <laughs> so one thing I did see while doing my research that I personally never tried was doing divination with candles. Uh, And so shout out to the listeners. Let us know if you've ever heard of these or tried them because I, I really was like, you know, I'm looking into candle magic, a lot of this stuff I've done, but this was the one where I was like, I've never even fucking heard of that. And I will admit, you know, I will admit when I didn't know something. So this is one of those times. uh, The first method of divination involving candles I actually, I have heard of the second one. Let's, let's kind of, let's backtrack a little bit. I haven't heard of this first one specifically at all. Uh, letting the wax drip into a dish of water and then reading the shapes in sort of the exact same way that you would read tea leaves.
1: Yeah, I've never done that, but now I want now, to. Now I was, same, same. I was like, I, I love
0: candles. This seems like something that would kind of be fun to do. And you did give me that tea leaf reading book for my birthday. So I did I have a book with all of the symbols for tea leaf reading. But um, the second involves uh, sort of reading the shape and direction of the flame and like flickers and pops as like certain things, but also kind of like a pendulum. So like the most simple way that I had seen this was, you know, you when you're doing a pendulum, it's like, front and back is yes side to side is no or you know uh whatever your agreed upon designation is right Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that like if the candle blows this way it's yes if the candle blows the other way it's no um and then also like does it split so like if you see it split supposedly that means that uh a spirit or one of your ancestors is like helping you with a spell because it's like that
1: and i mean for me, the last like big candle spell I did, because I've done like some small ones since then, but I did a big one at the end of the year. And Nick, I think I sent you the picture of the weird shapes I was getting mm-hmm, as yes. the candle was melting. Yes. It was like, I've never had so many different symbols and things happen during a candle spell. And also just as a fun side note, I swear to God this candle burned for I shit you not like two and a half hours. And Eric was working on a spell like at the same time we were kind of doing like collaborative magic and their candle burnt out in like half an hour and my candle burned for literally two and a half hours and got weird shapes in it and I'll post one of the pictures when we post this episode because I've I've talked about the spell on here and it's been like six months I'm not worried about it but yeah that. That candle spell was one where I was just like, "Holy fuck, magic!" Yes, you know. No, that I,
0: <laughs> I remember getting those pictures, and I was like, "Oh man, no." That picture, specifically, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I'm like, "That, that was a good one." Um, yeah, but so here we are. Here we are at the end of our and. Wouldn't you believe that that was that like a whole hour long? We're just talking about candles, you guys. Like you're, y'all are already at work, uh, and this is going to be a long episode. So,
1: uh, right? But <laughs> clearly, we love candles. We really.
0: I had a lot to say about candles, <laughs> uh, but no. So brings us because we, you know, Shannon is a Virgo son. I am a Virgo rising, and we were trying to be really chill about candles, but now is the time to talk about
1: it's about to get
0: real <laughs> about some things that are not so chill about candles so um <laughs> unattended candles are a bad idea even with a bowl of water it's it's just a just a huge yikes uh yeah so and let's like i always see those like giant votives that you're not supposed to blow out which lasts for like 10 days and as someone who grew up in a trailer and currently lives in a modern American apartment, Huge eggs.
1: Yeah. And I just have to say, like, I literally, I had a candle on my dining, not my dining room table, my coffee table the other day. And I, I should, you know, I walked upstairs to pee and came back down and my kitten had knocked the entire fucking candle off the coffee table and gotten like wax everywhere. And thank God, like nothing caught on fire. But that was like, Literally, just within the span of me going to pee, let alone leaving it for days, and like going to work, it's like there's so many bad things can happen.
0: Right, and and I, I will say I have done spells that are meant to go on for a few days, like that. And honestly, um, I'm gonna tell you guys, I just relit the damn candles when I got back home from work. No amount, no you could have a you could have a, a whole kitty pool around it and i'm not leaving it lit in my goddamn apartment so uh and also that spell which was supposed to take like four days and i just did it again when i was i took the four days to do it but i put the candle out when i was at work you know yeah and
1: i've done the same thing
0: (laughs) so you know do do not be afraid to do that uh also i would say uh something Really important to think about is uh, the materials that your candles are made of. So sorry, you guys, but palm oil is destroying the rainforest, specifically the rainforest. You know, like it's not like, you uh, know, burning petroleum is destroying the rainforest because of uh, global warming. And no, no, literally the reason they cut down the rainforest is to use mainly as um, palm oil plantations uh, specifically which uh, a lot of that gets made into really cheap candles. So uh, soy wax is not prohibitively expensive. Um, so just something to be on the lookout for though.
1: Yeah. And also just like a note on that, that like palm oil is also in like close to half of every package product you're going to find in the supermarket. So if it's something that you're able to do, please try and avoid those products. Again, I know that that's not possible for everybody. But if you can, it's in things like frozen pizzas and like packaged donuts and chocolates and even like lipstick and deodorants. So, you know, I know not everybody has the ability. But the thing is, we don't need 10% of people to do 100% better. We need 100% of people to do 10% better to make a real difference for the environment. So just like, please watch out if you're able to.
0: Exactly. And, uh, you know, kind of last last thing, second time we've mentioned it this episode, the, the birthday candle tip. So Shannon has said this many times where you have a lot of different colored birthday candles that you can use for a spell that calls for a specific colored candle and then it is burned out by the time you're done.
1: Yeah. And it's also easy to get really affordable like beeswax candles if they're just birthday candle size. So you can make sure you're doing something environmentally friendly that also doesn't break the bank.
0: And yeah. So that's, you know, really really it but kind of the last my my last word on candles here uh is that it's more of a complaint than a QWP, but I felt like it belonged here. And that is that those woodwick candles are never as good as I want them to be. And yeah. um you know, even the really bougie ones, it's very upsetting, honestly.
1: It needed to be said.
0: Because I it's like if it <laughs> did what I you know, it's like I, I I want it to do, where it's like it crackles like a like a fire, and maybe you get a little nice smoky smell from the wood, you don't get any of that. And then they, you know, boof.
1: Yeah. Woodwick candles. No, I agree. Woodwick
0: candles disappoint me so that they're
1: a big womp womp
0: womp womp so uh on that note uh moving on to something that's not decidedly (laughs) not (laughs) womp womp
1: decidedly not womp womp so like y'all allo Right. I feel like this plant like makes so much sense when we're talking about everything that's making us feel like hot, hot, hot. Right. So every summer, especially the melanin challenged among us, um, myself very much included in that. uh, Aloe vera is something that I think we're all really familiar with using. And I am talking specifically about aloe vera because there are actually more than 500 species of aloe most of which have very similar care requirements, but aloe vera is the one that we're talking about today. It's the one that I think we're probably most familiar with and it can be grown as a house plant, which I know is is not always the case with our like herbs and edibles, but aloe is a great candidate for a house plant. So it's a stemless or short stem succulent with juicy long leaves that fan out from the plant's central stem. Or if you have an aloe plant like I do, that's old and has kind of been trimmed away. I have one that kind of looks like a Dr. Seuss tree that I'll post a picture of, and I love her. Um, and it does it's. It's like an old houseplant classic in the sense that it loves like bright and direct light. That's where it thrives. And even though it's a succulent, like it really doesn't want direct light. It will burn. So it is perfect for like a sunny windowsill or a plant shelf with a good grow light. Bonus points if you have like a sunny windowsill in your kitchen. Jealous if you do. Um, but this is like really easy to like break down in the kitchen. So I think that would be just an awesome location for it if you're able to. So for the container, you're going to grow it in. Obviously, you're going to want something with a drainage hole. Duh. Uh, And I think terracotta is an excellent choice for most houseplants since they can help prevent root rot. Um, But I think terracotta is an especially excellent choice for succulents since they do need much drier conditions. Uh, You're going to want like a cactus or succulent potting mix, which is very free draining, something that's super gritty and includes a lot of like Pumice or perlite. Basically, you want something that if you water your plant, um, you won't have any standing water on top. Like you just want that water to move very freely through. Um, so, if you water it and then you see that you have standing water on the top for a second, there's probably too much organic matter for a succulent and you need to add more amendment to it. So, after you pot it up, This is where the advice does diverge a bit from non-succulent plants. So when you first pot it up, you're going to want to leave it alone, like totally alone for an entire week. Unlike other houseplants, you're not going to water it right after planting. You just want to kind of like leave it alone and let it acclimate in the dry potting mix. Um, And then you're just going to pop it into like a warm, dry place where it's getting that bright indirect light that it loves so much. Um, I, I do think we should mention that it's a plant that doesn't tolerate cold very well, so if you live somewhere that gets chilly, you might want to like move it out of your windowsill and into a more protected area, especially at night. Like you're really trying to keep it at a temp between like 55 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit. So like, for me here in LA, even in the winter when it starts dipping into like the 40s and upper 30s, even sometimes there are some of my house plants that I like pull further away from the windows at night. And that's just because you know your windowsills do get chilly, even if they're nice, well, you know, protected windows. It's gonna be a bit chilly. It's like so, it's, still,
0: it's still a window, y'all.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's still a window. Um, And the ongoing care of them is really simple, like water it deeply, but infrequently. You do want to let this one like thoroughly dry out between waterings, like root rot is the number one killer that's going to get you here. Um, I'd say you're probably looking at like every couple of weeks with this one, but really just like do your moisture check, you know, with either your finger or a wooden chopstick. You you just want to make sure that you're not letting it stay too wet. And like most succulents, it's actually not a heavy feeder either, which is nice. It's like, it's so easy. Um, you can give it a succulent fertilizer every couple of months in the growing season. And the succulent fertilizers are a little bit different from others. Um, since they tend to contain more calcium, which is what succulents really like. Uh, but it really is like such an infrequent need that I've, I've quite literally had the same bottle of succulent fertilizer for like two years. And, um, I made this note earlier. I actually really do need to go make sure that it's still good, which I'm going to do after we finish recording this episode. Uh, Mature aloe plants do uh, produce little offsets, which have a lot of names, but I like calling them pups or babies, but mostly I call them pups because it just sounds so cute to me. Um, And they're really essentially like clones of the mother plant, which is super cool and very sci-fi. And the great thing is they're just like making new plants for you that you can pot right up. So to do that, what you're going to want to is probably you're probably going to need to pull the whole plant out of the pot so you can really get down to where the offsets are attached to the mother plant. You're going to separate them using like pruning shears, scissors or a sharp knife. And you're going to try and leave at least an inch of stem on the offset. So you're going to allow that to sort of callus over. It'll sit out of the soil for several days. Um, it's kind of like you do with any other succulent, right? Like you want it to dry and form that callus before you pot it up. Uh, and then, you know, once you're going to like, once they callus up, you're going to keep the offsets like in a warm location with bright indirect light. Um, and then you're going to just pop them up in like that standard succulent potting mix that we already talked about, you know, it's going to be really well draining and the newly potted pups, same thing. Don't water it right away. Once they're in the soil, wait at least a week, uh, keep the soil nice and dry. And yeah, then you're going to just kind of like start to water it and then it'll take root. It's really easy to propagate succulents. Um, you can't propagate aloe vera from a leaf, which I just want to like mention because a lot of succulents you can, but this isn't one of this them. This is not.
0: This is not that type.
1: Yeah, this is not that type. Um, and aloe vera is capable of flowering, but I just want to like set expectations, y'all. It's it's really unlikely as a house plant that you're going to get flowers due to the lower light levels. And it's like, this is just a, like, shit's about to get real moment. Like, we have to be honest with ourselves. Our best bright indirect light indoors just isn't the same as light outside. And, and that's okay. We just have to, like, adjust our expectations. Not everything is going to flower inside. And that's okay. Like, you're doing a really cool thing by keeping outdoor plants alive in a container in your home. Be proud of yourself. Um but the flowers on aloe vera are these tall spikes, which are called inflorescences, um, and they're actually the same type of, like, flowers, quote-unquote, that you see on a lot of indoor houseplants, including my Peperomia prostrata, which uh, Nick and I have one that we we split up, and mine just finished, like, flowering. I had all these tiny little inflorescences on mine, and it was very cute. Um but yeah, the flowers on these guys are usually like red or yellow and they're they're pretty, but they do need quite a lot of light to get there. So just like, no worries if that's not happening inside. Like, it'd probably be weirder if it did. <laughs> like, do you actually live outdoors? Um, but also like, it's not a sign that your plant's unhealthy if it's not flowering. That's the most important thing. It's It can be totally healthy and happy and live a long time and grow and just not flower. No biggie. Um, So this is a plant that has about a billion medicinal uses. Uh, I think we already know that it's great for sunburns. Yeah. But I wanted to talk briefly about how to like correctly harvest it because that's kind of the first place to start, right? You got to get it off the plant. So you're going to start by removing three or four leaves at a time. You're going to want to look for like thick, juicy leaves from the outer sections of the plant, the ones that are a little older. You're going to want to also make sure that the leaves are healthy, that there's not any mold or damage because... As much as it sucks, if a leaf has been broken and like you didn't immediately take it off when it broke, a bunch of bacteria and stuff could have gotten in there. So unfortunately, those leaves that have been damaged aren't a good choice to use for, you know, your body. Um, It happens. All leaves have casualties. Like, so just make sure you're looking for one that doesn't have mold or damage on it. And then you're going to cut them really close to the stem. Some of the plants you can pull them off, but at least for me with my older aloe plant, I really do have to cut them because it gets so thick that it's hard to just kind of like wiggle it off. Um, And then you're going to wash and dry the leaves. Oh, also avoid the roots. Like, please don't like fuck with the roots of your plant during any of this. Anyway, so wash and dry the leaves. Uh, I take. I I like to use a paring knife for this part because it's just easy and it's small. And I just like trim the prickly edges off with that knife and then separate the interior from the outside of the leaf. So normally the way I do it is kind of like I'm filleting a fish and I like get in there with... Slide the knife. Yeah, exactly. I kind of like slide my knife along the inside. Again, I'm doing it with a paring knife because it's, it's a plant. It's not a fucking fish I don't need a full knife um but yeah you just kind of like wiggle it under the top like piece of the leaf slide it and then you'll see the other half will have the gel on it that'll be backed by the other half of the leaf and then you can just like kind of pull that out and then you have it um you do sometimes need to let like the yellow sap drain from the leaf like from the cut off the plant but I've seen really mixed stuff. Not everybody does that. You'll see some things that say, like, right when you cut it off the plant, before you do any of this, you need to, like, put it in a cup and let, like, the yellow stuff drain out of it, like the aloe vera latex. Um, Again, I've not really seen that consistently. So, like, feel free to do it. I don't always do it. Um, When I was a kid and we just popped them off my friend's, like, aloe plant outside for bug bites, we also didn't do it and we're fine. But, you know. We're not doctors. (laughs) So,
0: I, you know, I am not a doctor. Shannon is not a doctor. Um, Yeah. Sorry.
1: We're not doctors. Sorry, you guys. But, (laughs) but once you get the aloe out, you know, you can like, once you pull it out, you're going to be able to cut it into like slices or cubes. Or if you want it for a gel, you can like chuck it into a blender. Um, That's usually what I do. I just put it in a blender so you get like, just the gel Um, and if you want to you can always freeze it for use later because aloe vera gel doesn't keep for more than just a few days like if you're planning to use it right away it's fine you can keep it in the fridge for a few days but if it's going to be longer than that then you should just freeze it and honestly like a nice couple of cubes of frozen aloe vera gel rubbed over a sunburn is clutch.
0: I was going to say, I like that sounds nice. Whenever I buy the uh, the stuff in the tube, uh, just the, mm-hmm. the aloe vera gel in the tube, I always put that in the fridge because that feels really nice on a sunburn.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's some like really great studies though with aloe vera. So, um, a study in 2013 looked at 50 people who used aloe vera gel to treat like superficial and partial thickness burns. So we're not talking third degree, we're talking, you know, still pretty superficial. Um, and these people that used it had better results than the group that used a 1% um, silver sulfadiazine cream. Um, the people that used aloe vera had earlier wound healing, better pain relief, and The best part, aloe is cheap compared to some of these other medications. So I think that's a huge plus. Um, In addition to applying it directly to the skin, I think more and more people are familiar with the fact that it's eatable, essentially. Uh, I feel like you see aloe vera juice all over the place now, which you didn't used to. Um, But the aloe vera can be added to like food, smoothies, drinks. To make aloe juice, you're going to use like one cup of liquid for every two tablespoons of aloe gel um, include any other ingredients you want like fruit because um, aloe gel itself like doesn't taste great. So I would just like, I'd suggest it up a bit, <laughs> um, but then, yeah, you're just going to like use a blender or a food processor to mix it up. Um, again, if you're consuming it even more so than putting it on your body, you really do want to use it as quickly as possible. Um, again, you can freeze stuff though. And if you're making a smoothie, you know, maybe you put like, you measure out a couple of tablespoons of aloe gel into like an ice cube tray, and then you can pop them out like one at a time to use for smoothies. There's all sorts of ways you could think about doing that. Um, but here I do, I do want to reiterate, like, it's very important to make sure that you have aloe vera and not a different type of aloe. Um, Not all aloe is eatable and not all aloe that you can buy at the store is aloe vera. So just like do your due diligence, do your homework. But with that said, there have been a lot of studies that show that uh, consuming aloe vera can be beneficial to people suffering from IBS high uh, and it can even inhibit the growth of H. pylori bacteria in the gut. And that's the bacteria that can lead to ulcers. So like good on you. Um, Aloe toothpaste has been proven super effective and the participants in those studies didn't experience any negative side effects either, which is badass. Uh, And it can be helpful in the treatment of acne. And the thing that I thought was most interesting is that there have been some studies too that show that it's also like a great complement to other acne medication and it can help alleviate some of the irritation you can get with prescription acne meds. Like as someone who's a lifelong acne sufferer, I know that like you can get all sorts of like burning and dryness and redness and cracking and all of this horrible shit with stuff that treats the acne, but the aloe vera can help like alleviate and like soothe a lot of those symptoms. Um, so it's, it's amazing in so many ways. Uh, and I do have to talk about the butt stuff. So if you have anal fissures, applying an aloe cream to the affected area several times uh, throughout the day can promote healing. They actually did a study in 2014 that found that a cream containing aloe vera juice powder um, was effective in treating chronic anal fissures, and people use the aloe cream like three times a day for six weeks. So, you know, good to know there are again there's a lot of contraindications with everything including aloe vera gel um especially if you're consuming it more so than anything so just consult your doctor or your medical professional before you eat it um because again like if you're new here i nick and i are not doctors nope
0: not a doctor still (laughs) shocking since we last said it i still am not a doctor
1: I know. Neither of us finished a PhD in the last like three minutes. So, um, But on to the magic. So aloe is a feminine plant associated with the moon and the element water. She is a juicy bitch, mm-hmm. so I don't think there's anything too surprising there. Um, you can use it for protection or luck. And since this is a good windowsill candidate, I was thinking like perhaps like a really pretty protection sigil that you could put on your pot and either like paint or some sort of like color it could be really pretty, like a nice addition to your home protection regimen. I, I
0: I do think of aloe as like very protective in a way because it's got those like spiky little, you know, it's it's not, it's not so soft and gentle
1: yeah it's like it's got so much juicy goodness but it keeps it safe
0: it really does make me think of like cancer being the crab how it's like i don't know and with the moon it it all it really makes sense yeah
1: (laughs) no i see that i definitely see that i feel like aloe has big cancerian energy now that you say that i one thousand percent see it Um, so since this does though, have so many healing properties for the skin, I'd also like to humbly recommend adding it to, uh, any sort of potions that you make for skin application. I often do something like this when I'm doing bath magic, sort of as like a post ritual pick me up, uh, you know, or let the magic like build. If you're doing a long-term spell, since you can apply like an oil or a lotion every day, maybe if you're doing a long-term spell utilizing like body oils or lotion, you could do it throughout an entire lunar cycle. You know, there's some options here, but I would like to bring to you a homebrewed skin potion courtesy of yours truly. So, First, you're going to start with a skin safe carrier oil. I prefer rosehip or jojoba in this instance um, because I have acneic skin and jojoba oil doesn't break me out. If I'm doing it for a body oil, I can also get away with almond oil, but you know, pick your favorite. And then you're going to take about a quarter of a cup each of chamomile, lavender, and calendula, all dried. It's very important that it's dried. And you're going to put the herbs into a jar, cover them with your carrier oil, and then screw the top on tight. And then you're going to infuse them in the sun. So what I do here, and I just did this for a facial oil for Eric, it works really well, is you wait for a sunny day. Then you take your jar outside and you leave it in the sun for a full day. You can go out and shake it a few times. And then at the end of the day, once the sun goes down, you're going to strain the dried herbs out of the oil and you're going to store it in a dark container for future use. Any infused oils really should be stored in a dark container if you have it, just because it helps keep them from breaking down. And then when you're ready to apply this, I would say just take some freshly blended aloe gel and mix it vigorously with your oil. So that's a great place to pop something into like the blender. You could even put like the oil in the blender with the gel to sort of make yourself something fresh, keep that little batch for a few days, and then just like re-up the aloe. That's why I've kept the aloe separate from the rest of it. Um, But yeah, and then just apply all over. I think this is a great skin application for like protection and healing. And it's also a great pre-bed application after a magical bath. Or if you're going on like a trip and you have a lot of travel, I think something like this would be great to apply before for prote- for protection. Um, and for me, when I'm traveling, I have little like travel size uh, containers that have like droppers that I save from other uses that I'll put like oil blends in. And that's one way that I sort of like low-key travel with magic. I, so. And I,
0: I do love that, uh, the tip with the dropper bottles, because... You, I mean, I feel like witches save everything, but it's like, save your dropper bottles, people.
1: Yeah, put some skin oil in them. Um, so yeah, so today I used um, the Farmer's Almanac, uh, helpline.com, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, and my noggin, because I have been doing a lot of like infused oils lately. So, hmm. now, we talked Persephone, y'all. We did. I feel like we got to discuss Hades, right? So again, like we mentioned this up at the top, we know the underworld isn't full of fire, but I think that uh, Hades is still an excellent choice here. So of course, we're all familiar with his role as the ruler of the underworld. And he actually doesn't often leave the underworld in the myths, which is why one of the best known stories about him, the Persephone story, uh, is when he actually left the underworld. So, you know, um, to go kidnap her or whatever. But Anyway, <laughs> when reading through the ancient text, Hades goes by um, a lot of names, including the other Zeus. Uh, Homer calls him the infernal Zeus, the Grizzly god, the host of many, or the attractor of man, since all men do eventually make their way to the underworld to serve him. He's also called Pluto or Pluton, which is the wealthy one or the giver of wealth, And Hades is, of course, a son of the titan Cronus and Rhea and brother of the deities Zeus, Poseidon, Demeter, Hera, and Hestia. So... One day, Cronus's kids decide to overthrow him, right? Um, This part is going to sound like super familiar to the Isis story. And I know we've also covered part of this story with Poseidon, um, but I digress. So Cronus was kind of a shit ruler and an even shittier dad. So we all know where Zeus gets it from. Father
0: of the year, Zeus. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Father of the year, Zeus got it from his maybe worst father of the year, Cronus. Uh, and there was a prophecy that one of Cronus's kids was going to one day overthrow him. So every year for five years when Rhea, his uh, sister and wife, Titans. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> right? Every uh, every year for five years when Rhea gave birth, he would eat the kid, so it didn't have a chance to overthrow him. Um, basically, he's like a wuss on top of being an asshole. Uh, and these kids were all like the Olympian gods, right? Like we already mentioned him, Hestia, Poseidon, Hades, Hera. Um But Cronus just, like, ate them as soon as they were out of the womb. Like, dick move. Uh, And Rhea, of course, was fucking enraged. And Cronus underestimated the power of a woman, naturally, in these instances. So Rhea was able to plot out her revenge. And when she was pregnant with her sixth child, she asked her mother, Gaia, for help. Um, and Gaia sent her to the island of Crete where she gave birth to Zeus. And when she came back to Cronus, she handed him a stone wrapped in cloth saying, of course, this is the baby. And Cronus being a fucking cunt who had never, I guess, paid attention to a kid, swallowed the rock up and thought he was done with that one too. But Zeus escaped. So Zeusy boy, when he was older, uh, came back and he disguised himself as a servant. And while he was disguised as a servant, he um, served his dad some poisonous wine that made him puke up all the other Olympians. So then the rebellion came. There was a big ass throwdown between the Titans and the Olympians, which could honestly be like a deity profile topic in and of itself because it lasted for like decades. But we're going to yada, yada, yada through this. (laughs) And the Olympians won. (laughs) So after that, Poseidon, Hades, and Zeus threw the dice to see who gets what. And that's how Hades got the underworld. Woohoo.
0: I think it's, I think it's very funny to note here that Zeus is like the baby.
1: Right. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Zeus is the baby and also (laughs) father of the year. Um, so, so anyway, um, after after all of this like he ends up being the god of the underworld and eventually it's like Hades comes to be not just like the name of the god but also the name of the entire place so that relationship is like so deeply intertwined between the two of them it is really hard to imagine a world in which like Poseidon is the ruler of the underworld or even Zeus like
0: Weird, but in that in that in that instance, though, the underworld would be called Poseidon, and maybe that's cooler. Just
1: I mean, maybe I
0: mean, you know, I that's just my two cents.
1: I feel like those are a good two cents, so I'll allow it. Um, (laughs) so aided by Cerberus, Hades supervised trial and punishment of all the baddies after death. But he also wasn't normally one of the judges and he also did not personally torture the guilty, which I thought was interesting because he actually has a lot in common with like the Christian Satan or Lucifer in that sense. Um, Lucifer is not the torturer, but does, you know, rule over hell. Yeah, He's just he's just in charge. Exactly. He's he's just middle management. Um, But the Furies were the scaries that doled out the torture. And uh, the Furies are quite a fun bunch that I feel like we should talk about at some point. Hades is depicted as like stern and pitiless, um, forbidding and aloof. And he really is like this deity that doesn't tend to have like a super distinct personality revealed through myth. And he's kind of really like blended into like the shadowy darkness of the underworld. Like he becomes just part of this eerie scenery. Um, And Hades is an interesting deity, though, when thinking about working with them in your practice. The ancient Greeks had a lot of respect for the gods of the underworld, but they didn't invite them into their homes uh, in the way that they did other deities. And we don't have a lot of information about how they honored them. You know, I think, of course, funeral rites and burial rites they were called upon, but there's actually just not a lot of surviving information about other ways they might have honored the Thonic gods. Um, we do know that the marriage between Persephone and Hades was not exactly consensual, as we now know. But it is often said that like Persephone serves as like the balancing force if you're reaching out to Hades to work with um, him magically. So that's something to keep in mind. He is traditionally honored at Samhain by Hellenic witches, um, along with Persephone. And you can honor him with offerings that are going to sound pretty familiar for the Samhain season, things like marigold, Calendula, uh, poppies, lilies, uh, shells or bones, apples, pomegranates, wormwood, patchouli, myrrh. Um, And, you know, offerings to uh, thonic gods are a bit different than other offerings. So, most resources I've seen say that you should make the offerings at night and do your rituals at night if possible. And of course, like these offerings are given in full, like, don't get high on your own supply, right? Uh, and one of the ways I've seen to start a ritual honoring them is to lay on the ground and beating it with an open palm to get their attention. It's important that it's not a fist because you're not trying to anger Gaia, yeah, but it's an open palm. Do
0: not cock knock on yeah. the ground, okay?
1: Yeah. It's no.
0: rude no matter what
1: the context is. It is always rude to cop knock. Oh my God, this little girl cop knocked on our door the other day, one of the the girls in our courtyard to ask us a question and I straight up fucking jumped out of my skin. Anyway, um, but after any sort of ritual where you're honoring one of these underworld deities, you're going to want to get rid of the offering somehow since they're now considered, I mean, kind of like poisoned in a way. Um, And I, I do have to point out that Hecate is the overwhelming exception to the poisoned offering rule, just like as a side note. Um, And some people do work with uh, Hades in matters related to, like, wealth or prosperity. You know, Pluto, Pluton, like, the wealth connection there is really strong. And you can also consider doing things like blessing deceased animals, like roadkill in Texas, or doing volunteer work with dogs as ways to honor him in your day-to-day life. But I do just want to say, like, there's a lot of conflicting information out there about working with or honoring under underworld deities or even having them as your patron deities. And I feel very strongly that like if you feel like a deity is calling to you or you want to honor them, I think that it's okay to do so, but just do so carefully you know, I think you just have to remember that you're not going to have an egalitarian relationship with a deity. They, they're not humans. We're tiny little humans. They are fucking gods. Um, so just like, you know, have that healthy respect, go into it with that knowledge. But, you know, I think you're going to find a lot of people that say absolutes one way or the other, and that's just not how magic works. And that's not what we think here at Wands and Fronds. Um, If you are interested in working with, like, Greek gods, and in particular gods, you know, that are more, like, underworld deities, like Hades, too, there are a lot of, like, resources related to, like, Hellenismos, so lots of Hellenistic resources, and a lot of my information came from there as well. Um, So, yeah, so today, I mean, it's kind of short and sweet, but it's really because there aren't, oh, there's not a lot of myth about Hades as a god. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, uh, Hades is in every myth and so i think that's that's the interesting thing about hades is almost like zeus where it's like hades is in every myth as the king of the underworld so it's like at some point someone's gonna die and then someone's gonna have to go get someone back from the underworld you gotta make a deal with zeus well you know i mean we all know how that goes but it's like yeah he's he's just like he's just he's a character actor
1: Kind of, yeah. So today I like it was fun. I got to break out my old um, Edith Hamilton uh, mythology. I haven't looked at that bad boy in a while. That was fun. Uh, I also used Britannica.com and a lot of Reddit research. I really did go to a lot of like Hellenismos, like pages and stuff to get information on working with Hades cuz um that tends to be where you're going to find that information. There are some like very specific books on being pagans and working with Hades, but uh I did not purchase those because that is not something I'm called to do right now. But if you're interested, they exist.
0: They exist. They're out there.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow.
0: But uh, okay, so that brings us to—we're so close to the bitter end, you guys. And this is a this is a pretty long episode, so I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. But so for a very hot and spicy, very fiery episode this week, uh, I was very excited to actually have a reason to use the dragon tarot. Now, uh, I think everyone out there that's been listening for a while and follows us on Instagram knows I kind of trade back and forth, and then of course me and Shannon trade back and forth on who's doing tarot scope but uh i was like this is appropriate it's all about oh, yeah. the summer heat it's the dragon tarot and then even more appropriate i got sagittarius so i was like we have a fi- <laughs> we have a fire sign we're using the fire deck let's go and then that's, i got it and then that's where that's where it got less fun so uh
1: <laughs> and then it took a left turn And
0: then it took a left turn so here we go for all you sag babies out there Uh, So for you guys this week, we have the Eight of Cups, uh, which is in the upright position. So this could actually see you guys walking away from something you've invested a lot of time and emotion into. Uh, And I think here's the thing. It's like you guys know it's not going to fulfill you, but it's very hard to walk away when you've been so invested and i would say it can be hard for others on the outside to see how much this is hurting you i would say partially because uh you probably try to keep a very positive outlook as a sagittarius and you want things to look at things from uh you know a rosier perspective um but like deep down you know you have to go and you got to shut the door for good and uh you know i i again i know you guys typically like to look on the brighter side of things but um this is like not a guaranteed thing that whatever comes next is going to be like better or more cosmically ordained for you that is kind of on all of you as like individuals but for Sagittarius in general it is time to go it is time to go it's time to ditch the toxic and and you know this this also is like very much like you're leaving a toxic situation like maybe you just don't want to face it head on because there's you can't fix it i would say that's that's like a message that's coming through with this one is you cannot fix it it's time to leave so but you know Sag sagittarians are very adventurous so i think facing the unknown is kind of their thing so let's uh Let's hope they can they can get into that. Um, yeah, so it's like, you know, not the best news, you guys. Like, I really, I hate, I hate that I can't just be like, you're getting a promotion next week, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you have to clear space for new things to come in. And sometimes that's like a shitty part of the process, but it's necessary.
0: Right, so
1: huh yeah well
0: but i mean that's the bitter end that's it that's the bitter end uh you know to all you guys out there that have subscribed uh downloaded we've gotten actually we've gotten quite a few new followers on instagram this week i think thanks to one specific fan but uh, yeah
1: thanks shannon we love you we
0: do love you shannon uh, but yeah, you know, give us a follow on Instagram. Tell your friends about us. Uh, we're always looking for a bag of rubies or citrine or uh, what is it? An invitation to Atlantis. To Atlantis. Uh, um
1: I just want to like give us a compliment here at the end and say, not once did we recommend a sleep sachet this episode. Oh my so god!
0: Or lemon balm. It twisty. No lemon balm. No sleep sachet. Like what right? an episode! Y'all, what a we're t-
1: bringing you the newest, the freshest content.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, like y'all were not expecting that, so. Um, but yeah, so the, we're they can hit us up at Pod at gmail.com. I would love to get a risque email from, from someone. Um, Pod, conveniently enough, also the handle of our Instagram. So if That's you,
1: right. We kept it simple.
0: We did. We kept it so simple for y'all. And we did that for you guys. So, you know, give show us some love too. And uh, I guess that's it. And to, to all of the bitches, to all the witches, the witch bitches...
1: We say, blessed be bitches.
0: Blessed be bitches. Bye now. Goodbye. Pink is about love, red is about like fucking.